Good day to you all. Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Jack. How are you today, Dad? Just fine, Todd. Happy Monday as yeah. we record here on August 1st. Yeah, August 1st. Yeah. Where I sit, it's toasty and unusually humid. We've actually had rain in the area in the last day or two, and they're saying it'll continue kind of through the weekend in uh, oh. uh, not high percentage of chance, somewhere between uh, 20 and 40% chance of rain. Yesterday, I saw rain um, about uh, 7 to 10 miles west of me as I was driving. But you know how you can see it coming down, and I could see they were getting some. But where I was at, it was just kind of cloudy and overcast. Uh, it's yeah. The humidity is not what we're used to in Southern California. You know, it's not where you are used to dry desert heat. And so the, the stickiness is like, oh, well. Well, no. where I sit in North Carolina, we get water every day, just about yep. every night, every night. That's why it's green fact, there and brown here. <laughs> in fact, uh, we went out to dinner last night and uh, I, I have to be careful because uh, I have a scooter that I drive because I can't walk very far. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, before we went into the restaurant, I says, mm hmm, the cloud looks heavy up above there. I better cover my uh, scooter handle. That's where the electronics is. Uh, right. So I put, put the plastic bag over it. And I no sooner got that done, and a few drops hit me on the head and said, You did the right thing. Yep. <laughs> and so we rushed into the restaurant. By the time we came out, everything was wet. I mean, it, it had a good downpour. Right. We couldn't really see it from where we were in the so restaurant. So what do you do? You just sit down in the wet seat to drive home? Uh, well, I didn't use the, the scooter because we parked in a handicap ah, right oh, in front. Gotcha. So you, so you didn't have to uh, walk it, too far, right? But I just keep it mounted on the back of the car most of the time. Because right. Because if, if uh, the last time I'd used it was I went to the grocery store and did, did a little shopping with my little tiny basket on the front handle and, mm -hmm. and between my legs on the floor. Right. Uh, it's got yeah. a little Yeah. No, that makes sense. There. Yeah. So it's, it's just, so it's anyway, it, rig. it, um, to avoid having an unnecessary uh, dismount and remount, uh, I don't often take it off in the garage anymore. I do plug it in there, uh, but when I do, I throw a bag on the front window so that I'm I don't accidentally forget that it's on and and rip another cord off my charger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've done that to three chargers, and they only cost about sixty bucks a piece. Ouch! So, you know that's a mistake you don't want to make. Yeah, you know. Yeah, custom I don't connections even have a are always now. ridiculously expensive. Have you but looked? Anyway. At, have, have you seen the um, the the uh, on, uh, from Apple the USB or no the uh, Thunderbolt four cable a one meter roughly three yard or three foot Thunderbolt four cable is like sixty bucks. And the wow. thing is, and this is I hate this. This is one of my gripes right now. It looks – it's a USB-C connector. So it's a USB-C connector. Now, there's USB-C cables that are for power only. There's USB-C mm -hmm. cables that cover uh, USB 3.1, power and data. There's USB-C connectors that are USB – that are Thunderbolt 3, which means they don't work on USB connectors at all. They only work on Thunderbolt connectors. And then there's USB-C connectors that are – Thunderbolt 4 that will work on USB-C, USB or uh, Thunderbolt 3, and give you power. But those cost $60 a piece. Hmm. Well, uh, and they're all labeled, of course, so and they, you clearly know what oh, they I'm do, sure right? Oh, I'm sure right not. Oh, come on. 
Yeah, and Come they on. all look exactly the same. Physically, they are a USB-C cable. <laughs> now, the uh, the more capable ones, the Thunderbolt ones, tend to have a little bit thicker, uh, you know, rubber uh, grommet around the the head of it because there's a little chip in there that that manages, you know, which mode it's in. But yep. um, it is uh, maddening. USB-C is supposed to be the you know, fix for all of your problems with connectors, right? They, everything works, and yet they don't clearly identify what one cable does versus another cable versus another cable. And well, I think most people end up with just a USB um, 3.1 capability on a USB-C connector because it'll charge your machine and, and move data at USB 3.1 speeds, but that's a third the speed of a USB or a, of of Thunderbolt three or four. I, I blame all this madness on uh, the Johnny Ive and uh, his, <laughs> his his uh, desire to yeah. absolutely eliminate connectors from anything. Well, from he, everything, he has you know? no control over the the uh, ANSI board that sets those standards. But it's, but he started that. You know, it was just this well. He started thing. using a, it. He started using the USB C because it was tiny, and he didn't want holes in yeah. his computers. Now, in many ways, I mean, I don't. You know, there, there there's places where yes, radios like, you know. Uh, any kind of radio kind of thing can replace a connector, you know, if it's got enough bandwidth mm-hmm. and it makes sense. It makes sense on mobile devices. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, of course, you still always have the power connector until they, well, they until finally they come along now. Yeah, they've, come, they've got the, the magnetic kind of thing. Yeah, you know? MagSafe is what they're using on yeah. – on, is available on iPhones and stuff. And to be honest, I mean, I have Qi charging – things that's why i use that's how i charge my phone I, I don't charge my the only time i plug my phone in is when we're traveling because I, I don't want to carry the cheat another yeah. physical large thing i just bring the cable and then yeah. i use that generally i think that's okay and fine for phones but mm-hmm. for for some things uh i like i'd much rather plug them in just for the speed of it you know yeah. for example whenever my watch goes down i love the fact that my watch takes the high speed connector Right. I mean, the well, because it, it's like what they're proposing to do with the phones. The watches are only uh, a yeah. MagSafe type of connector. Yeah. And uh, but you're right. The the, the Watch Seven uh, supports a higher current and a fast charge mode that the uh, previous watches don't have. I have a, mm-hmm. I have a, a Watch Five, uh, Apple Watch version five. My wife has a seven, and mm-hmm. and. You know, hers will charge in a half hour on on the good disk using the USB-C connector, um, uh, you know, because it charges the same speed as the others when you plug it into a regular one. You have to use the 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 disk, the, the, the cord that came with it or mm-hmm. the, or purchase one that's that level. And it has to be plugged into a USB-C uh, power brick with enough current to, to drive it at the higher speed. Right. Um, but when you do that, yeah, it charges in, in 30 minutes up to what, like 60% or something. And so it's, it goes fast. It's, it's, it's about twice the speed of my watch. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the, the, when you were talking about the uh, cables being mislabeled, but having multiple or not being labeled, that's the problem is they're not, they're not mislabeled. There's just no label. I I misspoke on that. Yeah. It's, it's exactly the same problem with, uh, with, these multi-adapters that uh, allow mm-hmm. you to put one plug into your computer and then have a whole bunch of other ports. Yeah. You know, 
they are never labeled in terms of how much power is available in each one of those connectors. Right. And therefore, you, you have a lot of connectors, but you go to plug stuff together and nothing works because mm-hmm. it doesn't have enough power. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's and funny, too, so, you know, like the power bricks um, that have multiple ports on them. Some of the mm-hmm. power bricks with multiple ports will tell you this port has this number of watts. This port has this amount. And, this, and mm-hmm. I have started buying um, Anchor and a few other companies now make uh, ones that it's it, they've got a little smart chip in there. And it says it will take as much current as the device wants. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. like don't have to worry about which port you're plugging stuff into because the the device and the power brick will basically communicate to give the device as much current as it can as it can take. I, I'll tell you, I've been suckered in too many times seeing one of these adapters and you know all these connectors, and I says, "Oh wow, that looks so great!" And yeah. you get them, and then you try to use them, and they don't work for anything that you wanted to do. Yeah, you know, so. About the only thing I use an adapter for is I keep one. Actually, I have two different versions handy. Uh, I have a USB-C because that's for my iPad, and I've got a Lightning for my phone, and that's a uh, SD card reader, so that I can pull an SD card out of my one of my my. Uh, oh. You know, I've got um, uh, interchangeable lens cameras, professional type of cameras, and uh, and so. To me, the rather most than imp- bring a laptop along, because I still have a laptop that has an SD card reader in it, because my Mac. My MacBook is uh, my MacBook Pro yeah. is a uh, 2015, uh-huh. and well, I'm not well, coughing mo- up the $2,500 to replace it. <laughs> I, I have a whole pile of little mini drives, the hard drives, mm-hmm. and they were all designed basically for computers. But when they still had the adapter on the computer, because there was always enough power there to drive multiple drives, right, on the computer, right. But that disappeared when they went down to the one or two connector computers and there's no adapters out there that i'm aware of with one exception that i have but i don't like the thing because it comes apart it all i think it was made i mean i bought it at an apple store Mm -hmm. but every time i go to pull a plug out here the end thing comes off and the card comes out of the case it's just a piece of crap that's what it is Hmm. you know and uh, I well, don't remember whose brand name was on it, but the the, the advantage of USB C is it carries more current, so you shouldn't have that problem. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not changing my hard drives; they're all USB A's. Yeah. You know, or yeah. in well, fact, the fire wires even I've got. You know, you can buy a package of little uh, dongle de- dealies that will allow you to, you know, just. You just snap it on the end, and it turns the USB-A into USB-C, and I do that. With things that I use a lot, I just left it on there, and that mm-hmm. way, if I need to pull it off to use it as USB-A, I can, but more and more of my things are USB-C, and, yeah. and you know, I mean, like like you, I use my iPad as my portable device now. I have a laptop, but like I said, mine's a 2015 laptop, and I just can't see spending $2,500 or more to replace that for how little I use it. Yep. Um, in fact... Uh, for a long time, when I traveled, I would take the iPad and the laptop with me just in case I needed to do something on the laptop. And I don't even do that now. I just I just take the 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 iPad, um, yeah. and I do everything on the iPad. And I've got a nice keyboard that I use with it. So um, you know, you know, I I generally uh, can do just about everything I want to do, uh, except online with the iPad. Mm-hmm. There are still a lot of people that do not support the iPad online, and it annoys the heck out of me. When you say uh, online, you mean there's some web those, web pages that don't render properly? 
That's right. Even with the latest iPad, it's supposed to be simulated to work like the one on the like uh, a desktop on, browser. Like a desktop, uh, I have I run into places online, and maybe it's just my bad luck. I keep going to the same place. That <laughs> yeah, they don't just change. They don't change them. You know. Well, they you know, you, you can um, in the browser. You know, if you go to a page that doesn't render, you can go in and and set it to say on this page act like a mobile device or act like a, um, a desktop device. You can pick which one works better. And I have on a few cases gone to the – I've found sites where when it's in its normal default mode of trying to be a desktop browser, it just doesn't seem to work right. The page doesn't render properly. So I just switch, go, it, I switch it back to being a mobile page or, or, or mobile browser for that page. And, well, where and do you, Safari remembers that. Um, where do, where do you go? You go in settings and Safari. You know what? what I don't do? I don't have my iPad in front of me, so it's hard for me to tell you from memory. because oh. um, I'm sitting in my office where I have a a Mac that I'm looking at, so I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you right now exactly how to do it. So, which is terrible, terrible podcasting, isn't it? I brought something I didn't anticipate talking about this, but I don't have my iPad <laughs> here, pad here, so um, I'll have to go look that up and. Uh, you know, perhaps I, if I find it, I maybe will tack it on to the end. I'll explain that, you know. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. as an addendum, if you listened all the way through to the end, here you go. Here's what I was talking <laughs> about. Here's how to go change your browser. And I'll share it with you, obviously, because uh, um, I find that that yeah. helps. Because I've only found a few that don't. But you're right. There's a few that just still don't render quite right on the iPad. I didn't know that I had to change a setting. I thought that the the, the latest uh, edition of Safari browser on the iPad mm-hmm. was always supposed to look like uh, the a desktop. Laptop and, it, desktop. It, and it does. It always looks like a desktop browser. But what I'm saying is sometimes, for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to the, – the page doesn't seem to work right. And so if I then go in and say to my browser, hey, don't look like a desktop. Go back to looking like a mobile device. Then oh. the web page looks different, but it works. Hmm. And I've and I and and between those two options, I I have not had a web page that I had any problems with. In the well, long anyway, long. the the web page that I'm talking about actually has two logins. There's one for the normal members of our group, mm-hmm. and then there's one for administrative people. Mm-hmm. And I uh, because I'm an officer, I I have I go into the administrative one to post stuff. Right. And and I can't log in in the administrative except for my computer. Right. And I'd love to be able was, to do that. Was, well, we might be able to fix that for you. We'll, I'll, I'll try to figure out that, that, um, that piece uh, and explain uh, it to you. Um, do you – my question is, was this a web page that was put together by somebody in the group or is it run on top of like – No, um, no, no. No, it's a nationwide organization. Okay. So, so – well, it's they may have hired somebody to build it, or they may it may be built on top of uh, a content management system. If it's on top of a content management system, then you're almost 100% guaranteed that this will solve the problem. If it's built by somebody, then it's 50/50 as to whether or not they built you mm-hmm. know because you know mo- most modern web pages will recognize whether you're in mobile or not, and that's because most of the world uses phones uh to do most of the browsing nowadays is actually done on phones um mm-hmm. rather than computers or tablet devices and so most web browsers will recognize whether you're a mobile browser or a uh or a you know larger screen device and then send the pages to you appropriately for that device um and if that's the case then you should be able to switch it to the mobile device 
version of the browser. I was I was noticing on my Safari browser here. I said block all cookies. Maybe that's uh -huh. it. That I, could be I it too. I I uh, I'm going to cancel that. You can cancel uh, that by page too. So if you want to say block all cookies, you can set it up so that it's just not it, you're allowing cookies on that page. So that way you're not just opening it up wherever. So you know that's oh oh wait a minute I have that off so that I didn't I don't block cookies. That's the right. best way. Yeah, I have right. that off. So yeah. I, I, I mean, if I was, you're really paranoid, you can block cookies, but but then that does break a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. So, so you really yeah, don't okay. want cookies off. I, I was looking for stuff here that I thought might yeah. break things, but I read that wrong. Right. So we anyway. had kind of uh, in the in the pre-show talked about one thing that we were going to talk about today, and, and we'll get to that. But since we're talking about browsers, I thought it'd be appropriate to talk about the last thing that you sent me, which was uh, that Apple Pay may be uh, coming to the Chrome browser because currently uh if you're using chrome as a browser um or edge for that matter which is based on chrome um mm -hmm. that you cannot use apple pay um it's sort of integrated into safari and it's an apple thing and i don't know about you but i actually actively look for that anytime i if anytime i'm buying something from somebody online i look for apple pay like, Me too. Um, recently, my brother had a birthday. Happy birthday, Tobin. His birthday was on Saturday. And on Friday, he scored tickets to go to the uh, Los Angeles Rams um, uh, preseason uh, workouts, their, uh, their um, <laughs> training camp. And the free tickets, you just had to go online and register for them. So he went and got us tickets. And so we spent Friday down at training camp for the Rams. And for yeah. his birthday, I wanted to get him a, a Cooper Cup jersey. And so, you know, of course, they got all kinds of swag you can buy there. So as, before we leave, we go into the tent to go see if we can get that. And they've got the the, the white away jerseys, and then they've got the blue and yellow home game jerseys. And he wants the home game jersey, and we go look for it, and they've got medium and double XL, and he needs a large. And so <laughs> I was like, ah, poo. So we oh. walk on out to the car and we say, well, before we go home, let's go get some lunch. And we found a really nice little uh, brew pub and had some smash burgers and had a great time. But while we were driving there, I uh, went to the Rams website and they had the jersey available online. And ah. uh, and it'll be here tomorrow, which is cool. Ah, pretty quick good. shipping. Um, so, yeah. I, so he doesn't have to wait too long for his birthday gift. But I uh, was thrilled to see when I went to check out that one of the options was Apple Pay because I don't have to type in my address. I don't have to do anything. All that's included. You just click yep. on it. It looks at your face and says, "Yep, I see You're that good. you are you. Do you want this? Do you really want to spend this money? And I double click on the side and it says yes. And it's done. And it was that easy. It's so easy. Yeah. It's and that more easy. secure. And, and more secure. Exactly. And more uh, secure. Because I, I can't tell you how many times I've had to wait for another replacement card to be sent from my bank, which is usually a week long. Mm -hmm. And then I and then that's not the half of it. Then I've got to go call everybody else that is automatic pay on that account and say, oh, I've got a new number. Yep. It's just a total pain. I just hate credit cards. Yeah. You know? And yeah. there's, it's all taken care of by Apple Pay. I never have to do that again. You know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think uh, when I think about this is that I'm going to start transferring uh, to uh, whenever I call somebody again, I'm going to say, will you take Apple Pay? Now, 
I can't just give them a number for that. So I don't know how I could, you know, tell have them, a yeah, tell monthly them how, payment. How do you register that? Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I do have a, a credit card type of of a Apple Pay card as well. You know, it's like a credit card, except yeah. that it doesn't have a number on it. You know, still, it's a magnetic card, so yeah. you can't get that even. Well, you can. If you go to your wallet on your phone and tap on the Apple card, it will mm-hmm. up in the right hand corner. There's a little uh, it looks like this piece of a card with with like one two three on it. You tap on that, and it tells you what your Apple Pay card number is. And to make it even more secure, you can have it change the pin, the little uh, three digit you know uh, code that's supposed to be on the back of most cards. That's mm-hmm. there, and that can be changed, and it, they can actually rotate that through. And at any time, if you feel like there's something hinky going on, you can tap a button, and it will generate a new number for you for your card. And so you can change your card number at any time. Of course, if you've got things auto-charging to that, then that causes problems just yeah, like it yeah, always would. But they don't have know. to send you a new card. You can you want a, you need a new number? Tap yeah. a button, and you got a new number. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's no well, weak it, wait it still, for it. It still it's, doesn't handle these monthly payments that I like to ha- put on credit cards, you know. That's that's the way most of my charitable donations are. What do you are. mean I it just, doesn't handle them? Well, I don't know how to have a monthly payment to a charity so that I don't have to talk to them at all, you know, as long as they can just take it out of all right. my card every month, you know. You can do that with your Apple with your Apple credit card. You can do that. That's what I'm I telling can. you. Is if oh. you go to your Apple uh, um, wallet. So go to your wallet app on your phone and you tap on the Apple credit card at the top of the screen. There's a search button, a little credit card icon with number one, two, three on it. And then the three dots, which is more stuff. If you tap on the credit card with one, two, three, it tells you your card number, the expiration date, the security code, and that it's a MasterCard. And that's all that you have to give to anything to then you know, create an online payment with that, even if they don't support Apple Pay. So if you want to charge, put a, set up a monthly reoccurring charge to that card, you just use those numbers. They're not on the card, but they're on the app in your wallet. I'm, lo- I'm looking at my app right now. It's on just the Apple Card app, info. Right. Right. Okay. Apple Card app. At the top of when you're just, so like, you know, when you open the wallet, you see your stack of cards, right? Or whatever's in there. Tap on the Apple Card. Now you see the Apple card, and it tells you your card balance. Okay, at the top of that screen, okay, you'll see the word done on the left. Then you'll see a little magnifying glass, which is search, a little card icon with the numbers one, two, three on it. And then that card, you're you're not describing the screen I'm on. Under Apple Card, it says Apple Payment Card Info or Transactions at the top. Uh, what did you do here? Hold on. Info or transactions. I can't even find something that says info or transactions. Right after I press a touch Apple card, and it says card balance under it. That uh-huh. takes me. To, that takes me to my Apple card. Okay. From there, what does it say at the top of the screen? When you see Apple a pic- card, card payment card info or transactions. So and on, then, so under uh, you see a picture of the card, and underneath yes. it, it says the word card balance. And you have words at the top. Yeah, I don't have card balance up there. I don't have card balance up there. I have icons up there. I have the word done and, and, and icons at the top. Now, I'm doing this on my phone. Are you doing it from your iPad? No, I'm doing it on my phone. Okay. I, I, I can scroll down and find card balance, but that's not at the top. 
Okay, so when you launch your wallet, what do you see? First thing, when you just launch the wallet. Uh, just a minute now, i got to go back. When I launch wallet, the first thing I see is Apple Cash at the top on right. or off, uh -huh. payment cards, Apple Cash or Apple Card, and then I can add more cards. Right, and I've got multiple cards that I've added plus the cash and the Apple Card. And you tap on the Apple Card, and that's all you mm -hmm. do? That's right. Okay, at the top, what do you see? It's underneath the picture of the Apple Card. It's no, just above Apple. the picture of the Apple Card. Back is the only thing that's above it. Really? Yeah. Mine has the word done, then it has a search icon, it has a card icon, and it has a circle with three dots in it. Why do they do it differently? I don't know. What version of the operating system are you running? The latest. Are you sure? Yeah, I always keep this up to date. I'm going to go look at mine to verify which one, what version I am running. I'm going to go to settings, general, about, and I am running settings. software 15.6. Oh, I got 15.5. Then you're not on the latest. <laughs> huh. That's weird. Yeah, I don't understand why, but that I don't think that has changed, to my knowledge. That's how mine's been forever. And at the top of there, I where there's a little icon. Like I said, there's an icon that has a picture well, of the card and, my, it, and my, the number 123 on it. And you click on that, and it gives you your card number. Mine just came up with software update, you know? <laughs> It just yeah. let up. Yeah. That so came out last a... week. Oh, 15.6 well. came out last week. But okay. I, I don't think that's going to change it. I don't understand why. Why they're different. They're screens. different. I don't understand that. You know, yeah. it would be one of those well, things that's... where we maybe need to do a FaceTime with our iPads. And then we can show <laughs> each other the screens so that we can see what the heck's going on. Because that's yeah. weird. That's just weird. Yeah. I, you, you should be able to talk to somebody else about these things anyway. Yeah, I mean, when we go, uh, when we follow the menus and go to the same page, you'd think we'd see, be seeing, you know, I mean, the same other stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, other than you know the the variable, you know, numbers and stuff. But I mean, uh, but the 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 screen should be the same, right? The layout should be the same. There should not be some weird yep. weirdness going on there. That's freaky. Okay. Okay, well, we can talk about that later. So, you were going to talk about this Chrome, I guess, on the, right. Well, uh, I was just going to say, yeah. All I just wanted to say was that it looks like Apple is maybe saying that, hey, you know, we're recognizing that there's people who use Chrome as their preferred browser on our systems, um, and so as a result, we're going to build a secure um, uh, add-in to the Chrome browser that will allow it to then run Apple Pay. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so you can use Apple Pay online if you're not using the Safari browser. Now, I personally have read nothing but, and I know there's people who use Chrome and, and, and lots of, you know, high-end users use Chrome. But I've read nothing but problems with Chrome being a memory hog and, and causing systems to slow down as you open up more and more tabs. Yeah, um, I, and, I was, I was going to say, who, who would, in their right mind would really want to use it there? Right. That was really the reason that I posted this thing right and so i'm i'm sort of like i i i trust in the integrated security of using apple's safari browser in part of their systems and i you know and and so i just prefer that pretty much everywhere every once in a while and it's become very rare it used to happen more regularly but i don't even remember the last time it happened i would find a page that didn't quite work right like I, and it would be usually a page that was a form or something so i'd be filling out a form and then i'd try to click on Oh, in fact, I remember it was one of the um, 
one of the regular monthly payments that I had where I'd go to their website and, you know, for whatever reason, if you try to go to their website and log in and look at your account and, and, you know, your usage history or something, I don't know, maybe it was the gas bill or something like that. Anyway, it just flat out wouldn't load properly on, um, on Safari. And that has since been fixed. So it's been probably six months to a year since I've had a problem with that. So that was the last one I had an issue with, but, um, it would work with Firefox or Chrome. Now, I say I use Safari. I really do only use Safari. But if you look at my desktop right now, I have the Orion browser, the Brave browser, the Chromium browser, Google Chrome browser, <laughs> and the Firefox browser all in my 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 toolbar. So I have I have a couple different um, uh, Chrome-based browsers at, that are are uh, uh, you know, provide different features and work differently, um, mm-hmm. and and Firefox. And I like Firefox because it has a different rendering engine than Chrome, and and Safari, and uh, and then the other browsers. I like Chromium because that's the open source version of Chrome. And quite frankly, if I'm going, if something needs a, a Chrome browser, I'll try Chromium first because I don't want to use the Google one because Google tracks everything you do with their browser. That's why they built the dumb browser, and I don't want you know. So I prefer not to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then both Orion and Brave are supposed to be secure browsers that were uh, that are fast and written on the Chrome code base. And so, um, you know, I'll play with them a little bit. But to be honest, I've launched them both once or twice and I don't really use them very much. Well, so. the only browser that I've used in years is the Edge browser. And that's because there are some businesses that are all Apple or not are all Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And that's they insist that somebody... If you're going to do business with them, that you use Microsoft products. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Will you say, will you say the only one you've used in years? You mean the only other one you've used in years besides the only Safari? other one that I right. have had? And and by the way, and I got rid of that was my association uh, com- company for housing. You know. Oh right. Yeah. And and uh, pay my association fees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they changed finally because enough people complained. That we just went away from them, and now I don't have to use that anymore. So I just took it off my yeah off my <laughs> iPad. I said I don't want to. I don't want that ever again. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you realize too that you know the Edge browser is a Chromium browser when you're using it on a PC, but everything on iOS or iPadOS uses the underlying uh, engine that's built into the operating system. That's a requirement. You that, and so everything runs. Uh, the essentially the same screen stuff as Safari there. Yeah. You know, doesn't mean they don't have other stuff added to it, obviously, and features and functions, but it's all using the same rendering engine when you're on iPad or, 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 uh, uh, iPhone. So, you know, it's not like if the website doesn't work on an iPad, unless you're using the Microsoft browser, it's not because the rendering engine won't support it. It's because somebody explicitly said it has to be this browser, which is stupid. Yep. Yep. Uh, I don't know for what the reason is, but it just annoyed me that, and so I decided to complain. Yeah. Well, I know that, that Google has tried to position Chromium and the Chrome OS and everything sort of as an operating system. And so there are some people who write apps basically to that platform. And so that's why every once in a while you run into something that requires the Chromium rendering engine, um, if not Google Chrome itself. And, you know, uh, I, But it's rare I, for me. Basically, I, I, I wear the Apple's, uh, you know, large uh, business uh, and size 
on my sleeve when I do business with other people. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just pretty obnoxious about it. I say, well, if you don't work with Apple, forget it. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go take my business somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this I, is the system I use. That's it. You yeah. Know? It's funny. A friend of mine um, recently got a new laptop, and um, she asked for my input on it. And she, but she's, you know, they only ever used PCs, and so she wanted to buy a PC laptop. And um, I think I shared this once before. And mm -hmm. so we finally, you know, zeroed in on one that she wanted that kind of fit the bill and seemed like it was relatively good build quality and stuff. And it was an HP, you know, and it's not a bad laptop. And um, at the end of the process, she turns to the guy in the store there that, uh, uh, you know, I met her there to help her pick it out. And she uh, says, so is there a cover or a case for this? And he goes, no, they don't make cover or cases for PCs because they're all different shapes and sizes. He says, if you want a cover or a case, you need to buy a Mac. And <laughs> on, the way, uh, on the way in to the store when we first started, I said, okay, I'm going to say this once, but I, I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. I wouldn't buy anything in here that's not an Apple product, period, and stop right there. And there's, you know, a variety of reasons I can go into the details of it. Um, she uh, recently took her computers back into the Best Buy to have the, um, uh, she, her family had paid for like uh, a service so that she has free access to their geek squad and stuff. Yeah. And so she just took her old desktop in and said, here, take all the, all the pictures and stuff off of the old desktop and put them onto the laptop for me. And they'll do that because that's the service they provide. So mm -hmm. she's having them do that. And uh, in the course of talking to the guy, he, you know, they're talking about this and he says, yeah, you can count on your laptop being, you know, four or five years and then you're going to have to replace it. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, cause she was concerned about like the archival quality of the, you know, s storing stuff. Um, <laughs> and she had to call me. She goes, he says, but if you bought on a Mac, it's probably seven to 10 years. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I tried to tell you, yeah, you're going to spend a little bit more, but, um, you know, it's going to it's just physically going to last longer. I mean, than most you, you can get PCs that are built as well as Macs, but then they cost as much as the Mac does. You know, yep. they're just built better. They use higher quality stuff, um, you know, and and you, then you could get the case or the cover if you wanted. You could get a computer in, you know, in in a color that you wanted, you know, or I mean, there's just I don't know. It was, you yep. know, I, I didn't want to beat her, beat her on, beat her up on it, but it was just like, you, if you just pull the trigger and switch to this, you'd find you're going to be happier. But she's, there's, there's this well, that, anxiety because she's never used that, you know, it's going to be different. Sure. Yeah. And I understand. Well, there, there, there is always anxiety when you change to a different operating system. You know, yeah. That's, that's basically. Yeah. Well, and, and you got to realize that's the, that's the normal person. For me, there wasn't anxiety. There was excitement. I'm changing <laughs> Well, All kinds it, of new things to figure it, out and learn. Except that now it's a little bit harder to get started, but you can go buy an Apple computer, and with those uh, mirroring uh, software, I forgot what they call them, you can put that on the, on the current Mac M1s and M2s so that you run everything Microsoft on there after that. It's just, yeah. So you you could buy parallels or something like that if you wanted to. Yeah. That's what I was trying to think of, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. No, you um, could you could do that. that that's sort of like, uh, you know, but, buying but a Maserati and then jacking it up for off-roading, you know? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I guess they, Maserati makes uh, SUVs now. But uh, but you know what I mean? It's like it's like buying a Ferrari and then saying, well, but I want to use it as an off-road vehicle. It's, yeah. it's like, well, 
why do that? You know, I mean, just use it the way it is for what it does. It does that very well. Um, but uh, that gives somebody an option so that they can learn the sure. other one while they still have the Apple system. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, so what I have... what I would have said is is that, you know, um, that that service that you paid for through Best Buy, when you buy your Mac, that comes with the Mac. You can sign up for mm-hmm. free classes at the Apple Store and go down there, and they'll teach you how to do everything. You can you can register for uh, uh, time with a uh, an Apple um, uh Genius at the Genius Bar is what they call yeah. them, and they will you know walk you through doing everything that you have questions about and and help you learn to use the device. And on top of that, literally everything is sort of intuitive and straightforward. I will say there are some things about Apple software, at least in its current version, uh, especially on the Mac, that I absolutely hate. Um, there's too many cases where, like, well, for instance, like. Right now, I have a notification up in the top corner of my Mac desktop that says backup not completed because there's not enough space on a drive, so I need to clear some space off, and I've known about that. This pops up multiple times a day reminding me, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, it's there. But right now, it's just a little square. If I move my mouse over the square and hover over the square, then the button shows up to say hide this, and the button shows up to click on details to get more information. But as soon as I come off of it, those buttons disappear. There's too many things like that in Apple where this hover over state is required in order to know that there's even a button there. Mm. You know, it's it's totally not intuitive to know that there's, you know, I look at that and I go like, if I were looking at that and didn't know that I had to hover over, I'd go like, well, how do I get rid of that stupid thing floating up in the corner? It's covering up my desk icon or my drive icon. How do I get rid of it? That's really irritating. How do I do it? There's well, no I- visual visual indication. And the space where the button is, it's not mm-hmm. it's just an empty space. There's no reason for that button not to be seen and available. You know, it just takes away from usability on the on the operating system. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that Apple's software design is foolish in that area right now. That and this is just one indication of it where like this hover state thing is just bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if there's a button that allows me to do something with something I shouldn't have to know that you have to like hold down the control key while you're floating over it to get to it. Or, you know, traditionally in the Mac, if you float over something and you hold down um, or, or you click on something and you hold down like the option key, then you get like advanced versions of that. Um, you know, that was a, a built into the operating system sort of traditional thing. But now it's like there's literally nothing there unless I happen to float over it, you know, with my mouse. And mm-hmm. and that's just not intuitive. And they, you know, one of the hallmarks of the operating system historically has been that it was incredibly intuitive. You could switch from, I mean, yep. I've told the story before of me, you know, I had a Windows-based family. Everybody used Windows computers. And I bought my first Mac Mini and set it up on our dining room table. And inside of a month, that became the computer that everybody in the house was using. I didn't yep. sit down and show them how to do anything. You know, they I just, mean, yep. they just sat down and started, you know clicking on stuff it was real obvious what stuff did and how it worked and it was like the, the, oh this works better the, the the only uh and i went we've all went through that transition apple people and but the biggest part of the problem was the names of the applications you know instead right. of instead of a browser or not browser instead of a uh uh file manager that's what right. it was yeah instead of file manager it was finder you know uh, right instead of uh uh, I forgot the old browser, Explorer was the browser, and now it's Safari. Now it's, yeah, yeah, 
those yeah. kinds of things, it just took a while to figure out yeah. what they were. You know? Well, and if you didn't have Microsoft Office on your Mac, then you were using Pages, Numbers, and uh, and Keynote instead right. of Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Um, yep. Although, I think, at least when I was switching over, the Microsoft Office suite was so dominant that I very quickly had that on my Mac um, oh. because it was so dominant. And, yeah, it was a little different. The interface was different. You had to, you know, spend a half a second thinking about stuff, but that quickly caught up. Yeah, well, the the lingering thing for me was that I hadn't been retired very long, maybe within the first year of retirement, where uh, I had – and before I retired – I was in depth in Microsoft Office. I mean, mm-hmm. everything, including Access, which was my primary tool, and mm-hmm. that in Excel, I automated an entire engineering department at mm-hmm. Boeing. Yeah, using uh, Visual Basic for, for using Visual Basic applications. And yeah. and for a while there, I had this uh, urge to just be, have access to Visual Basic again. You know, yeah. it was just a strange thing because. Uh, yeah. I had worked in it so long and it developed this expertise that now I didn't have those tools anymore. Right. You know, the, my tools were gone. I'm actually surprised <laughs> that you never dug into Apple Script because Apple has a complete scripting language built into the operating system that allows you to automate and control virtually every application on your system. Uh, you know, when you mentioned that and I went to look at it and I said, well, it really wasn't worth my effort because I didn't have the job to do anymore. Right, you know? yeah. So your urge to do something was there, but you really didn't have just, an application for it. That's correct, yeah. yeah. So therefore, I just sort of let it let it go, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I worked at a newspaper where one of the guys in the newsroom had used AppleScript to basically create an automated publishing system on top of the publishing system that they had there. So most of the users in the newsroom didn't know how to to use the core functions of the publishing system. They just knew how to run the macros that Jeff had created for them, which I banged my head against the wall because the scripts that he set up, he didn't document. And so my job was supporting Uh, the newsroom and it drove me batty that, that, you know, I was the one who was supposed to provide support for these things when they didn't work. And if something happened, um, you know, then, then we had to call Jeff and what happens when Jeff takes a job somewhere else? You know, now we've got a room of stuff that I have to now go back and figure out what he did. And he was not a trained programmer. He just figured it out on his own, which is great. That's the way most good programmers start. But it, you know, it. And so I was seen as sort of an obstructionist because I was kept telling people, this is not the way you should be doing this. This is we need to do this better. We need to document what's there. You can't just write this stuff and then start using it and and expect us to be able to help you fix it when it breaks. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, and so, yeah, I was the naysayer in that case, which is not usually the case. It wasn't a role I was enjoying, but but, uh, uh, you know, it just it 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 yeah, it put a risk out there that didn't have to be there. And and other people weren't seeing the risk. Uh, At some point, he left that company. And I suspect then somewhere down the line, people saw the risk because they were basically screwed at that point and had to go figure (laughs) out. You know, had to go through and figure out all of his scripts and figure out how to fix them, you know, or if but, something changes and it's like, OK, we're doing it that way. But now we're doing it this way. Um, yeah. You got to go write a new script or modify the old one. Well, uh, the fortunate thing was, is that I knew when my uh, contract with Boeing was going to be up because I was going to retire uh, just after that was up. And mm-hmm. uh, 
So, I, and that I knew that for at least a month. Yeah. And so I worked real closely with their best the programmer to uh, go over everything I had done for Boeing. So that right. I, that was a smooth transition, at least from my side. I think right. he was all was happy with it. Yeah, uh, but but showing you're, him you're experienced in doing development and and working in that environment. That's your background. This guy was a yeah. newsroom guy, a news reporter, and so. You know, he didn't have that that wealth of, of background to understand that, you know, supporting this thing requires that somebody besides, you know, how it works. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, so. this this guy was good. Uh, and in fact, I sort of gave him some additional projects to uh, that uh, I had planned and thought about yeah. and 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 uh, emphasized to him that they would really be valuable to their company. Uh, and uh, he. uh I don't know whether he ever fully implemented them or not, yeah. but at least he started on some, and I had some comments on what he had done, yeah. you know, some feedback. Yeah. And so I thought he was on his way because he was showing some skills. That, yeah. Uh, well, and to be absolutely so. fair, I left the company before Jeff did. So uh, when he left, he may have picked somebody, found somebody who was interested, and walked them through everything so that they then could continue to support that. I don't know. So, yeah. so, I, but it was driving me nuts that he wasn't doing that in process, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a staff of support people who was supposed to be able to support the technology that we were using and we flat out couldn't do that because it was a, a black box for us. So. Okay. I, I, I'd like to go on to uh, a new technology and it's probably so simple that you'd say, why are you calling this technology? But I thought it was ingenious and that is, uh, there was a on the television. Uh, it was an ad that I quickly grabbed my camera to snap a shot of the thing before it uh, disappeared from the screen, and got the photo and sent it to you. And it says uh, it's an umbrella-like shade for your windshield. Now I they called it the Brilla sh Brella shade. So if you wanted to search it uh, for it on Google and and buy this after I talk about it, uh, that's what you'd search for: B R E L L A S H A D E. And see what you can find. Uh, anyway, for 30 bucks, you can actually get two umbrella shades. And having lived in Southern California and the Southwest for a number of years, uh, I had uh, appreciated the, how hot cars could get when you, when you parked if you didn't put covers on your windshield. In fact, I had an RV even with gigantic uh, uh, windshield covers for that. So that while we were parked in an RV park uh, and the sun was bearing down, we wouldn't get a lot of bright sun through the front window. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, this is basically the extension of an umbrella. Think umbrella because that's the key part. The only difference is that the umbrella unfolds or, or, or when you push it up to, to make it uh, uh, open, uh, it instead of being circular like we're used to with umbrellas, this thing actually comes out to rect rectangular. And so if you're holding it toward your window as you do this, get it under the uh, mirror and whatever mm -hmm. stuff that might get in the way, it covers your front window. And then you just leave the stick right on there. It's just hanging there, but the whole window is covered. In fact, it snaps into place. And it just looks so beautiful. I haven't tried one, but I swear I would if I still lived in the Southwest. Uh, for no more than 30 bucks, you can get two of them. And a lot of people have two cars anyway, so that's, that would be great. Now, I, I suspect that in my motorhome, 
two of them just might have covered the big two big windows that I had in the RV, but I don't I don't think they would really do that. But if I got online, maybe they already have some big enough for that. Uh, but I had to mention it because I thought it's the an ingenious extension of what you can do with an umbrella. I hadn't thought of the fact that you could actually stick it in a window. You know, who mm -hmm. sticks there? And I would have given it a different name. I would have called it uh, uh, window window umbrella instead of just umbrella mm -hmm. shade, uh, because that's what it really does. It goes into a window. Uh, and yeah, that's enough for that. But it is technology in the sense that it's an adaptation of something we everybody's familiar with. But it's so ingenious because you, who cares if it's sticking out? You're getting out of the car anyway, and when you're done, you just pull that lever down and it folds it back up and you lay it on the floor or wherever mm -hmm. you keep your umbrellas, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's an Ontel umbrella shield, um, by Arctic air, uh, available on Amazon for $17 and 63 cents. Wow. So, um, the only thing about that, that I would say is I have sunshades for my cars, again, being in Southern California that are, um, are, are made of like this thermal stuff and they're almost like cardboard and they accordion fold, and I tuck them between the seats when I'm not using them. And both of the ones that I have for our cars are custom designed for our car. So they actually fill the window corner to corner uh, and and around the, the mirror and everything. And I think that the fact that they are custom fit to the, you know, there's no gaps. It fits in the, that window for that vehicle yeah. is is really useful. I think that keeps the, the, uh, the vehicle cooler um, than some that don't necessarily fit. Um, you know, right into the, As the space. Tight, huh? Yeah, I think that you know the fact that there's no, there's not gaps uh, well, around the edges. My 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 feeling is, if you cover ninety five percent of the window, you've you've saved yeah. yourself. You know. Yeah. Well, I will say <laughs> that um, in the in one of our vehicles, it it's an older vehicle, and so I've got a Garmin GPS up in the corner because it also serves as the screen for my backup camera. Ah. And that is stuck in one corner. So I always, that, that last corner, that last little edge, that I don't accordion fold that out. And so there's always ah. a strip down the left-hand side that allows the, uh, the GPS to stay there because I don't want to have to pull the GPS and put it back on every time I use it. But uh, this idea of the umbrella thing, it f looks like it folds up much more compactly than my accordion fold does. And, uh, and I can see there's, you know, if you, if you just look for... Um, uh, uh, you know, sunshades on, um, on, uh, Amazon. I'm sure if you just do a Google search for it, there's a variety of companies who've jumped on that bandwagon. I don't know who came up with it first doing that kind of thing. And yeah. as far as like putting it up and taking it down, that's got to be, uh, easier than some of these, you know, manually fold and shove it up in, on, on the dash. And especially because it's got like a, you know, a stick to hold it like an umbrella when you put it up, which I think is just, you know, that especially for somebody who's small, you know, my wife's a foot shorter than I am and she can't reach up to the top of the dash in yeah. a vehicle. And so something like that would make it easier for her to put up um, in some cases. So um, I think it's a cool anyway, idea. Anyway, I, I always love to see new ideas like this, and mm -hmm. it just immediately caught my attention that, man, this just, just seems such so natural. Why? What took so long for the umbrella people to think about a, another way to use their product, you know? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it's basically the exact same, you know, spines underneath. It just, 
uh, instead of folding out to a dome, actually kind of folds out almost convex and, like you said, square or rectangular to fit into the into the window space yeah. um, and stores neatly. So, cool idea. Um, I'll have to see if somebody has one and how well it works. Yep, yep. Uh, another uh... Get one for that blistering North Carolina summers that you deal with. Yeah, <laughs> we have two months here, by the way, which are uncomfortable, but it isn't because of the heat as much as it is because of the humidity. Right. We have uh, at least a, a month and a half, I'd say, and maybe not two months. Mm-hmm. But we're we're coming into that time of year now where uh, we'll have some pretty uncomfortable days uh, in August and September. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're just talking about weather. Like we're, we're, I mentioned it before. We're getting humidity, humidity that we weren't getting before um, here. And so my humidity has been up and it's been a little sticky, but it's not super high humidity. It's just humidity. <laughs> we're used to being dry. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, when there's some, some uh, dampness when you walk outside, you're like, huh, this is different. Um, yeah. But uh, it's just we're getting some monsoonal stuff because off the coast of Baja, there's a um, tropical storm that's kind of going by. And I guess it's kind of hitting the north a little bit more. So they're getting rain that we're not. But uh, anyhow, so the oh, you want to add something? Well, I was going to go on to another topic, but you you go ahead if you. Well, I was just going to go on to the topic that you've been sending a lot of research on. You've been reading a lot about uh, energy, energy systems how energy is stored, how it's created, and, you know, where we need to go in addition to and kind of in conjunction with things like salinization and CO2 recovery. I mean, those are all sort of semi-related, honestly, because they're all involved with, um, uh, you know, uh, doing those things require energy. And so it's like, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the underlying story here is, is, uh, you know, what's the right way to get more energy? You know, we've talked about a lot, you know, there's a lot of conversations in the public forum about, you know, green energy. And when they say green energy, what that really means to, to most people is it's going to be either solar or wind power, but the wind doesn't always blow and the sun goes down every day. And so then that asks the, you know, begs the question, well, how do we store that energy and, and, and retrieve that energy? Um, and, well, and then interestingly, I think well, maybe it was I sent it to you, but there was just recently an article that the in fact, I, I did send it to you because your response puzzled me. So let's just start with that. I, I sent you an article that uh, showed that the the federal government is getting ready to approve the first new nuclear power plant design in 50 years. And it's a small nuclear power plant that unlike you, unlike current nuclear power plants where they buy a plot of land and they build this big structure, this thing is actually assembled in a factory and then is put on a truck and driven to where it needs to be. And then there's some ancillary stuff that goes around it. So it's uh, literally a, uh, the size of a, um, of a uh, shipping container um, and even a small shipping container at that, that, that they make. And I thought that was real interesting well uh, but your response was something like oh this is baloney this is just another way for them to screw us essentially and i went <laughs> huh i thought this was pretty cool 
we're making some progress. And, and your response was not in, what I expected. In, in this same message thing, I, I haven't had any luck finding the article you're referring to. I'm trying to uh, find that thread as well. And it may have been one that was to you and uh, my brother. So let me see if I can see if I can find that one since I just repeated myself, repeated myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I think that it, is, yeah. Yeah, it was the one that uh, on Saturday I sent. Uh, I sent it last Friday, but it was sent to you and, and me and him. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, well, the reason for my comment on this was uh, uh, the, uh, the title of the article was U.S. Regulators Will Certify a First Small Nuclear Reactor Design. Uh, I, and I, my comment was it's going to be used to prevent investments needed for success. Same old game is what I said. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm down on it. I am absolutely delighted that it seems like maybe we're making a little bit of progress and the regulators will have to be kind of the first step in that because that's their job. Yeah, you literally uh, can't to, build it if they don't if the government won't allow you to. So so the yeah. nuclear regulatory commission saying, "Hey, we're going to uh, approve this design" My, is the first but, step. I didn't understand. Yeah. So yeah, explain your explain so, your comment. Any, anyway, uh the uh the concern that I have is it's the nuclear regulatory agency that is over all of this, and they're also uh, charged with uh, all the regulations concerning nuclear weapons. So the, the real tie to nuclear weapons and power industry is a problem within our government. And, and, and that's because uh, the whole problem with the nuclear, nuclear power industry is the fear that people are going to die Okay, because as soon as you talk about nuclear, everybody knows that that is so bad that lots of people are going to die. But there's another article that I thought I published in here somewhere where basically a guy who said, well, let's challenge that in terms of how many people have died from all the nuclear accidents uh, since nuclear power has been out there. And actually fewer lives have been lost or just so minuscule that on the chart that I had uh, with this is that there's this giant leap so that the uh, hydropower from dams is actually the most hazardous thing to construct those big dams. Now, of course, they all died up at the front end of this project, <laughs> uh, but right. a lot of people are buried in those dams. It's very uh, dangerous to build those big dams, yeah. Well, and yes. a lot of ecology people have said, but those, and those big dams have screwed up migratory fish and, and all kinds of problems for Oh, for for, oh, the, yeah, for yeah. the habitat, but but it's been such a terrible comparison that uh, people are fearing all the wrong things. Okay, yeah. mostly because of Hollywood, mostly because of Hollywood. There have been a number of movies, two or three at least, that uh, have basically totally misrepresented the actual facts regarding sure. nuclear power. Okay. Because they love to play on fear and all of this. That makes it suspenseful and all, you know? Yeah. And I, I forgot what the name of those movies are because I haven't read that article recently. There's lots of them. But everybody's aware of yeah, that. Yeah, the kind most of thing. recent Godzilla movie started with a, a destruction of a nuclear power plant because it was built on top of. A yeah, and because giant of radiation, monster. that made monsters out of them, right? Yeah, right? So, yeah. that's what feeds yeah. the monsters, right? Yeah. They eat radiation. But what what is really most uh, uh, interesting to me is that people who had been maybe just 10 to 20 years ago 
uh, dyed-in-the-wool environmentalists that believed all this baloney that have now come around, and there's a couple of them that are, uh, I think, fairly well-known that, that are posting and going and giving seminars and all of this uh, that have been totally converted to the fact that you can't get to the where we want to go in the future with the current uh, so-called zero-emissions systems, first of all, because they're not zero emissions. That's another big lie. There's so much so much untruth in this power industry that that the public has, you know, no basis on which to make an educated decision these days. Uh, and what I mean by that is when you talk about wind and solar power, let's just address that first of all. Uh, just because the, ca- the cars or whatever you're driving don't have something come out the tailpipe doesn't mean that you're not having emissions somewhere. All you've done is transfer the problem to the power plant. And so in the process of build, uh, generating electricity, most of that is, guess what, oil <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and coal even. So the two worst projectors, you're just saying, let's use more of that to create electricity so we can drive our electric cars. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's wrong. You've got to look at the system, the complete system, and how that contributes to where you want to be. Right. And, and, uh, well, but, but everybody agrees that we need to, to move off of those as the primary means of creating uh, our energy. But the three options that most people, you know, especially uh, uh, po- politicians, seem to want to push are hydroelectric, uh, but the ones that are always in the news are solar and wind. Occasionally geothermal, they'll talk about. But that's only yeah. certain places yeah. where that works. But but by and large, a lot of people have this daydream, really, that we're going to get there with the solar and wind. Mm-hmm. And besides the fact that I talked about the emissions, that that was a big lie because all you've done is transfer the emissions to the power generation things. In addition to that, because there is no uh, ability today to store energy... Uh, you have to use it only while it's being generated, and everybody knows how that is. Well, uh, I have a solution need... for that. Take yeah. the energy generation away from large centralized places. In other words, I want energy generation on my house. I will put solar on my house, and then I will get a set of batteries to run my house. And I'm not connected to a giant uh, uh uh, grid that runs power everywhere for everybody else. I can put power into the grid if I've got excess power to help yeah, somebody else but, out. But but you're assuming that you can buy p- batteries and put them in every house in the country that has an electric car and uh, and solve the problem that way. But you haven't factored into the cost of getting the rare materials, which all come from China. Okay, so that, that's a big political problem. Oh, well, already. as far as the, the, the building of the batteries is what you're saying, right. Well, you know, yeah. if you have an electric, if you have a, uh, an electric car, there's even um, uh, means by using that battery pack as your battery pack. But, you know, uh, the Tesla folks will sell you a, a whole home battery pack with their, um, with their solar panels. But all I'm saying is you have to consider the complete cost of the system when you right. compare it to something else. And that means that you, you've got the – in order for 24-7 uh, solution for power, you have to have batteries with either the wind or the solar. Uh, well, you have to have it with both of them, whatever it is you're using, to generate that power. And whether you do it in a small scale in your home or a centralized system, the uh, only difference there is, is that now you've got some power lines that, gener- that 
help you lose some of that energy if, if you've got a big system because of the distribution. In fact, a lot of people aren't aware that just AC energy coming across power systems, and by the way, th these are direct current things, so they're not easy to uh, send across the line. You have to convert AC, first of all, for any long-haul transmission uh, system. But even our AC things have such a loss that there's something like 60% of losses from actual power generation to the end user today in our electric systems. It's horrible. Efficiency is terrible. Right. And the, and the reason Which is... Which is solved by not transferring it, just making it at your house and using it there. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> That's why I'm saying but, decentralize it. The whole idea, all, a lot of our problems come from the fact that we've built this big infrastructure that we keep wanting to support. And I'm yeah. thinking, well, why? Don't support yeah. it. Well, that's that's right. So DC energy is horrible for transmission to begin with. So you're absolutely right. That should go into the house. But it still doesn't eliminate uh, the fact that you've got to have a, uh, a whole bunch more batteries. You know, and, right. and the whole battery problem is nowhere close to even being solved because most of that's going into the cars themselves instead of into uh, the uh, uh, source, you know, retaining 24-hour-a-day operation of, of your energy, mm -hmm. uh, which is the wall system. Uh, so you, when you talk about car, yeah. uh, these, any of these electric systems, you're talking about monumental investments in batteries that have a limited life. Right. Okay, 10 years, you've got to throw this thing away or rejuvenate it somehow. Right. But right now, most people buy a, buy a house and they've got a 10-year roof on them. Yeah. Talk, did you ever read the article about the guy who bought a uh, five-year-old electric vehicle and lo and behold, uh, he couldn't charge it uh, more than 60%, you know, so his charging cycle and his range and everything else weren't any close were close to the numbers of a new yeah, car yeah you know and, and it cost him basically the cost of a car to replace the battery pack that's right mm -hmm. so so anyway uh all kinds of problems with, with these so-called solutions they're not solutions and what all this drives to is now let's go back and compare this to a nuclear power a small nuclear power generator mm -hmm. and and the fact is is that they're not not hazardous uh, the even especially these new small ones, they were designed in a way to design out a lot of the risks that went with these large, big mm -hmm. systems. So what about Which, the environmentalists who say, but they create a bunch of hazardous waste that'll be poisonous for 100 years or 100,000 years or whatever? Well, how much waste do you think we generate on a day of, whether it's radiation or not, uh, that, that yeah, your coal-burning electrical plant that's destroying the, the uh, environment that we live in. Yeah. yeah. T t tell me when we're going to run out of places to put this. By, by the way, uh, you can look at how uh, all of the, the uh, I've got an idea. We can, bury is... it. we can bury it uh, in, underneath piles of, of uh, uh, used carbon-filled algae, which is a whole other conversation we could talk about because you, you sent me a thing on that. That's right, yeah. The two could but, work together, though. But, but anyway, the, the nuclear energy, if you want to see all the waste that we have today, you can go around the plants, and there's this big block that sits outside. It's like a so solid concrete block, and it's going to be sitting there for 50 years. But after 50 years, you won't care because it's, it's, it's cooled down by then. This is just the last little bit of radioactivity that was in the, the thing. And uh, so it's under control. We, we have 
expertise and experience. Yeah, with and that's, how to with, deal the, with, that's with the the current systems that were designed 50 years ago. That's right. The new ones and create less. That's that's correct. And in fact, depending on the kind of radiation uh, or kind of materials that you use uh, to uh, to build these systems, uh, like thorium is one. I don't know if I sent you that article, but that's a much less lively radiation uh, source, and it's preferred by a large group of uh, scientists as a, as the source for some of these systems. That's not. I, I don't believe that was the way the one. Uh, that the regulators are certifying a small rocket nuclear reactor. It's modeled on the large ones, just scaled down, mm-hmm. uh, but with a number of safety features that are built in. So it's not dependent on a big uh, water source. Uh, instead of having water for cooling, it uses a melt uh, liquid salt uh, and other kinds of uh, characteristics that. Uh, uh, don't don't make you dependent on building it near a big dam or a lake. Like I live within a mile of a nuclear reactor here, uh, and it's one of the old designs. But nevertheless, it's going to be there the rest of, as long as I live, and a lot longer than that. Uh, and I don't worry about it at all because it's it's got lots of safety features around it, even with with the lake. Uh, everything is controlled and, and mm-hmm. built around to support it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so it, the the bottom line is it's by far the better solution for achieving what is needed uh, within the time frame. You know, uh, if you listen to the greenies out there, we're almost too late already in terms of solving oh, some climate say change. Some are saying we, it is too late. It's like, up, oh, too yeah. late. We screwed up. That that's right, but but the other thing that's that's a problem was they calculated this for global climate change, okay? Right. And the rest of the world isn't whole, well. Europe's doing a pretty good job of keeping up their end, but Chinese aren't. They're still build you know digging for more coal. Yeah. You know, there's some don't care, and so what are you going to do about them? You got to you got to compensate and do even more if they don't. Con- you know, somewhere come along. Yeah. If so, you can't get China and India on board, then you're in trouble because they're both ginormous. That's right. So, uh, you know, w- we could solve our p- p- uh, problem perfectly and still have the problem, you know, because the world isn't cooperating. So, uh, you know, the, the, the only answer uh, ultimately is something that solves it fast. It's available the technology is available now in order to generate enough energy to continue to to uh, uh, meet the, the globe, you know, uh, our demand from an economic standpoint. Because we can't go under economically against people who don't give a damn, you know, yeah. about the climate. Uh, we absolutely have to, you know, continue to function and dominate them, beat them. So one of the critical parts of this is how do how do we deal with you know the Russians and Chinas of the world that that oh, have no moral conscience about any of this. You know. Yeah. So uh, you certainly don't do it by by driving uh, you know our country into the ground and and collapse in order to try to achieve environmental goals because the whole thing is about keeping people alive to begin with. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, already we've got a food shortage that's upon us uh, for lots of 
places around the world uh, that is a result of foolish decisions regarding oil policies. Yeah, you know? well, and, and wars, you know? Yeah. I mean, Russia so, holding up all the, 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 the food coming out of Ukraine is, yep. you know, a major supplier of grain sources food. to Africa. That's and right. You don't think yep. we're going to see famine and problems happening there? So, oh yeah, you know, and it'd be just as if people just as a measure of of world populations too, uh, China and India together are account for over a third of the entire population of the planet. Those two countries, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and by comparison, uh, we are about three hundred and twenty seven million in the U.S. Uh, India is one billion three hundred and fifty two. So four times our size, and China is uh, 1.4 billion. So, uh, you know, four and a half times our size in terms yeah. of population. I, I, the other thing I, I kind of want to point out here is, is this: how big this problem is. Is that Germany, uh, because they're shut down everything except three of their nuclear power plants, which are scheduled right now to shut them down this year. And I sure hope that they've come to their. Uh, uh, senses over there and yeah, don't shut them down their current because, ruling coalition is not going to shut not going to slow that down they're going to shut them down that's a that's a major problem yeah because i've got a chart here and it was back for from 2012 so it's not current but it shows that at that time 19 percent of the power of the so-called zero or low emissions technologies and nuclear was included in the charts, the reason I saved it, even though it was an old one. They'd, they'd try to shut out nuclear uh, off as a, as a solution, or they did back in 2012. Today, if you get a chart like this, the nuclear won't be included. And that's because politicians are scared of their populations and reaction to nuclear. But at least there's a, with time running out, there's a lot of uh, a very liberal people that are changing their minds on nuclear because they've recognized now that it's the only answer uh, because it produces enough power. These other things, it takes forever to get uh, enough of them built. Uh, today, I think we, at that, at, anyway, at, at 2012, we had 3.5% was wind and point, uh, excuse me, and solar was 0.1%. So it was just getting started. Anyway, those two combined today, I think, are 12%, as I recall from the latest chart, of, at least 2021 chart, yeah. of how much energy they provide. But 12% is still really small, and that means that, that, you know, with time running out, you can't get there from here. But if we get some of these... Yeah. Instead, uh, what they did is they said, hey, look, here's a good idea. Let's buy all of our energy from Russia. They're reliable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the... That's the stupid thing about uh, what's happened today. Yeah. And, and, and according to, to Wikipedia, by share of total electric used, France is the world leader. 69% of the energy used in the country comes from nuclear. Uh, Ukraine is second, 55%. The U.S. And, and, sits and, down at about 15 with uh, a little less than 20%. Anyway, my, my bottom line on this whole thing is. Regardless of what you have, what your sources are, and you gotta, you've got to keep trying to use all of them. I'm not going to mm -hmm. den denigrate any of these things right. because everything is driven by power somehow. Yeah. And 
what we, the main thing is, is the United States must return to energy independence. We had it only briefly just before Biden, but we have to get energy independent and as soon as possible. Yeah. And so my solution to that is uh, these small nuclear devices uh, so that we, they can be built in the factory. That's the key thing. Right. And so they can be produced rapidly and, uh, and, yeah. and they, they're a See, safe this is source. the response I expected when I sent you that thing. I expect you to go, finally, this is the right way to go. Hooray. <laughs> Instead, I got, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the response was like a kind of short one <laughs> sentence. That's going yeah. to be used to prevent investments needed for success. And you still well, haven't explained what you meant there. What did you well, mean? How is that going to be used? Okay. Why I uh, said that is because of the current administration that we have in charge. Ah. I know they're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Okay. It'll get approved by the uh, regulators and then the Biden people will never approve actually building them because they don't want – because of their their support base is anti-nuclear – Period. But, Stop. But but I'm all for changing the administration to somebody that will turn on, mm. uh, restore everything we have full force, full speed ahead, including yeah. nuclear. Yeah. And 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 because we can't just suddenly change our cars, uh, I'm never going to buy another car. And what I have is gas. There's a whole bunch of people like me out there. I, I've bought a car that's going to last me the rest of my life, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't put many miles on it. And, right. and that's a gas car. And I'm going to be really upset if they leave gas prices high. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. needed not just for well, my car. They always move prices things. up. They really seldom move prices down in any significant way. So I don't think we're going to see gas prices drop significantly. I, I really don't. I don't trust that the businesses and the government will let that happen. They're just they're going to say eh, we kind of like the you know because the government gets a bite. Of, uh, their percentage for taxes is based on the cost. So the higher cost means they get more money too. And so there's no motivation for the businesses, the oil industry, or the government to let the prices come down a lot. They'll come down a little bit and then they'll pat themselves on the back and it'll be all over the news how they brought the prices down. But they're going to remain much higher than they were before they went skyrocket. I just that's me being the the, <laughs> the pessimist that I am. I'm, I, I'm uh, not say I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to we we must have independence. Oh, I, I totally you, agree with when that. When you talk about these wars, okay, yeah. and and that's a big part of the independence. It's yeah. not the nuclear. You've still got to run vehicles uh, off of oil and and other things. Sure. In order to go other places that don't have the charging stations you know, on the front line. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. There's a reason we don't run our, our Humvees and tanks on, on electric batteries. Uh, not to mention that, that, you know, that's easily blown up, but so is, so is gas, I guess. The the only large user of energy is the Navy and the nuclear side there. Right. They 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 make their own. (laughs) They make it as they go. So, so uh, hey, just an interesting comment too. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for uh, countries, um, nuclear power by country, and yeah. kudos to Belgium. They had a phase out of nuclear planned, and they have postponed it. They currently use 50.8 percent of their energy comes from nuclear facilities, and they've said, "Wait a minute, let's not shut that off just so fast." Absolutely. Um, and so, kudos to them uh, for well, doing that. Because if you look at the list. Um, 
Uh, Japan has shut down a lot of their reactors. Germany is supposed to phase out their last ones this year. Uh, Spain and Switzerland both are on target to phase out nuclear. And they, uh, you know, like Switzerland uses 28.8% of their energy right now from nuclear. So I don't know what they plan to replace it with. Having retired as a systems engineer, which comes down to being the fact that systems engineering, for those who don't know, look at the complete life cycle cost for the system, not just one piece of it, like you'd look at sometimes for solar. It just generates electricity or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to look at the batteries. you got to look at all of the costs to implement sure. and make use of these each power source. And uh, that's been the unfair and the wrong-headed lies that we're being fed today by most people that are you know, advertise themselves as environmentalists. Uh, and they're not all that way because some of them are being converted and they're out there to convert the rest now, finally. And I had, hadn't seen any of this until, you know, a couple mm-hmm. months ago. And so I'm cheering them on yeah. because they're finally getting some sense into the thing. And, and it was like I talked about transferring the problem uh, of wind and solar power uh, to, uh, or, or I'm sorry, electric electricity mm-hmm. from use in the car back and in, in include the generation of this stuff and yeah. the storage of it. It's all part of the system that was necessary to make the electric vehicles work. Yeah. And in fact, there's a really good uh, video that uh, I watched by a guy who says that if you're going to buy a car today, the only car that makes sense is the hybrid yeah. Hybrid is the right car because you're getting too far ahead of the game with the electric cars because you can't support them. Right. You know, if everybody ran well, out. And then, and, but the, there's also different kinds of hybrids too, you know. Yes. Um, uh, but, there are some but, plug-in uh, hybrids that will run electric for a period of time and then switch to gas, you know, um, if you've charged up the battery. Most yep. of those go about 30 miles or so, which is like, you know, a lot of commuting can be done on, on a plug-in hybrid. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, it should be 30 miles to and 30 miles back from. So it need to be somewhere between 60 and 100 miles on the battery if you really want to use that as a, as a you know, preferred commuter vehicle and then switch to gas for longer stuff. That To me, I think the balance isn't quite right. I think mm-hmm. it's interesting. Um, percentage-wise, France, you know, we talk about, like, the, 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 the paranoia. Uh, almost 70% of, of the electricity in France is done by nuclear. They have 56 operational nuclear plants. Yep. Um, and nobody ever says, oh, my gosh, I can't go to France because I'll get irradiated. You know, we always see That's beautiful, right. beautiful pictures of, of, of the wine country. And, you know, it's like France has been on, uh, on board with nuclear from, from an early stage. And unlike Germany, That's... they're not reliant on Russia for their power because they're mostly self-reliant. I don't know that they're supporting uh, electric vehicles as much yet. I, I, from what I've read there, there, there's a, a push to do that because they have lots of, of their energy, electric power, you know, and it's, and it's homegrown electric power as opposed to, you know, power they have to go buy somewhere. Now, interestingly enough, even though it's a smaller percentage here in the U S it's 19.6, almost 20% of our energy is coming from nuclear. I did not realize that still in the United States, we, we do have 92 operational nuclear plants. Yeah. 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 And I think most people don't realize that we have that many, you know, and I think about like what happened in Texas a year or two ago when they lost, you know, their grid. And it's like, why don't we have a few more? 
You know, why, why Texas should in particular, and I don't know where they are in the United States, but, uh, you know, when, when you lose power and there's people who are dying because they can't cool their house or dying because they can't heat their house, um, you know, it's like, you know, what's the balance? Yeah. The, well, you know. <laughs> there, there, are, there are lots of places like, like where I live, you know, uh, you, mm-hmm. you just don't know they're there. Yeah. You know, unless you happen to drive by or they are in our case, the power company has a big concert every year. Symphony orchestra sits out there on the grass right next to the big dome. Uh, and the people in the, from the lake sit, sit there in their boats and listen to the music, you know, uh, all, all together. So it's, it's kind of a night of nice event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, uh, it gets a favorable, uh, it gets the public to acknowledge that the, the things are going well and it's a safe system and, you know, mm-hmm. and Texas has there. four nuclear power plants, but yeah, you're right. You just don't know about them. You know, yep. I mean, mm-hmm. it's interesting too, that we look at this, you know, the, the, the Western states that have lots of wide open spaces that are away mm-hmm. from people have few. There's none in yeah. Idaho, none in Wyoming, none in Utah, none in Nevada, none in Montana, North by Dakota, the way, South I, Dakota, none. By the way, I, I went to that page that has tells you about the 92 plants, and they had the little red dots on the map. And there's a whole bunch. Of, it looked like a half dozen or more just right in our area. Yeah. And I don't know where the others are, but this was a you know yeah. very small map. North, North Carolina, South Carolina have a, a, a bunch. And You're Georgia, right. I think. Illinois has a bunch. You know, there's there's actually like eight or nine of them in Pennsylvania. But yeah. like I said, you go to New Mexico, none. Colorado, none. Utah, none. Wyoming, none. You know. Well, there's not enough consumers within the range of the. Maybe of, that's what it is, you know, is. There's not so enough. It's, it's, yeah. It's near near big concentrated right. areas, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I, you know, I'm looking at it think, thinking the, the flip side of that is, well, people are paranoid about having them. Then why not put them out away from lots of people? But then the problem is, is then they're it's hard. You end up losing a lot of your energy that you, you generate by sending it over wires. Yep. So people don't realize that either, that the resistance in the wires loses a lot of energy. You know, they think, oh, you generate it and, you know. Yeah, it's, it's shocking, you know, mm-hmm. when you realize how inefficient the transmission is. Yeah. And, and by the way, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, uh, especially here on the East Coast, where we got a lot of trees, you know, they really have to come out and, and spend a lot of money uh, getting those power lines, uh, trees away from the power lines, and they grow back in. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're out in the Midwest where you don't have that, it's not near the problem. Yeah. Uh, out here, they a, have to they, cut them back because the they hit the wires and then spark and cars cause fires. Yep. In fact, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric has gotten sued because they've they've caused some forest fires, and people are saying you're not doing a good enough job going out and protecting your lines. Yep. So. So. Yeah. All you know, it, it it just occurred to me. It's kind of ironic because right now, if I had a so you know, in California, they passed a law saying that new new homes, and I don't know when it actually kicks in, but all new homes have to have solar on the home, and so you have to have solar on the home. Uh, uh, a lot of times what they do is they push that the excess power that's not being used back out onto the grid, you know, but some homes also buy battery systems in which to store the batteries so that they can then stay online in the evenings and stuff and not have to go out and use the grid power uh, mm-hmm. in the evening. Um, but all of those systems have a uh, trans- big transformers that take the 
the solar and or the uh, battery power and convert it to AC power to run the house. And mm-hmm. you, you, it, I, recently I watched a, a thing on uh, the History Channel talking about the, the electric wars between Tesla and Edison. And Edison mm-hmm. was big on having DC and Tesla was AC because of the transmissibility of AC. You could run it over wires right. for a long distance. But when you think about it, it makes much more sense and it's much more economical if you're going to put solar on your house and solar on your, um, uh, you know, and, and, and a battery pack to back it all up, then convert your entire house to DC and get all of your electrical stuff running off of DC because then you don't lose so much energy in the transmission. Well, the the only issue with DC is you, you're talking about big wires. Yeah. You know, if you're going to put, you're going to talk about heating elements or anything like that, you don't run those off of DC. And, right. With, yeah, so the, like your stove and stuff probably doesn't make sense. Yeah, because if you don't do that, the losses just mount, you know. And, yeah. and, and, and you catch fire, you know, too. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You've got to figure out the balance. But I just, you know, you figure out what your economies of scale are for running electrical just in your house, right? Yeah. It's like you're not transmitting it anywhere. It's right here. You're using it here. So, yep. you know. But, you know, everybody's television runs off of AC. Everybody's, you know. Uh, so, so you'd have to start getting manufacturers to say, you know, put two plugs on the back of everything. You can drive it directly in through the DC, or you can run it off of AC. Right? By the way, that's what that tra- conversion business back and forth AC to DC mm-hmm. is what uh, drives all the efficiency in every appliance that you have. Okay, and they don't publish the efficiency numbers. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't know how inefficient some systems are because right. that's not a mandatory labeling. Right. Yeah. Well, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that. You know, everybody's familiar with the the power brick that's on the back of their, you know, computer or their whatever device, right? So that takes the AC from the wall and changes it to DC DC. and and generates a fair amount of heat in the process. So you're losing energy if you're generating heat. And and so your device runs off of DC anyway. You know, almost all of your electronics are, are running off of DC. There's very, you know, and so why not just feed the DC directly if you're generating the power right here? Skip the transformer, you know, actually, I guess they sort of do, you know, in a sense in that in, in a lot of houses now, in fact, I've even gotten one, you've got outlets that have an AC outlet top and bottom. And in between you have two USBs and you can use those two USBs for charging. So you've got DC directly there. So if you, if you had a house that was working off of solar and batteries, you could feed the DC directly from the solar and batteries. You wouldn't have to then have a yeah. transformer in the socket to create that DC for you. Yeah, well, uh, it, it all came from the fact that, you know, we started with the AC at the house, so you had to go the other way. And so going back mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense today. Right. Uh, and I'm not even sure that, that it makes sense to build them. Uh, yeah, I, I would be interested experimentally to see if like you, you know, if so if you're building a brand new house and you integrate it with a battery pack and solar panels uh-huh. that you uh, run two lines off of the system. One is straight DC into USB ports throughout the house and the other mm-hmm. is uh, runs through a transformer and gives you your AC. And how many yeah. things could you run directly off the DC and is that actually more efficient? Yeah. Well, the, 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 the problem is is that for the, the low current on the DC side or for little mobile devices 
is nothing but a chip to do that conversion. It's not a big transformer and stuff. The power brick has a transformer in it. Yeah, but, but I mean, but the little little conversion thing for a USB port is really small. You know, so so yeah, yeah. And there, I think how, you know how much how much uh, efficiency do you pick up by going straight DC to the USB port versus converting it? I don't know. Somebody, I'm sure somebody does. Yeah. You know. Well. You know, if we if we get to the point where where a lot of houses have um, uh, are generating their own power, then that may be something people would explore. At, you know, right now it's yeah. a moot point. Right. But uh, huh. but it's ironic that you know from the beginning of electrical power, we uh, there was the debate. You know, which one do you use? An AC one for a variety of reasons. The yeah. mostly because you can transmit it over a period right. of uh, over long distances. Because everything was centralized, but if we go to a decentralized power production, then you got to ask the question: Well, do we, you know, do we need to continue with AC or is DC now more viable? Because I'm making all my own power right here at my house, you know. And I, I, yeah. I don't think we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna get to, um, you know, or at least at this point, I don't think there's any any inclination that we're gonna have small enough nuclear plants that will have like my my house nuclear plant sitting in a box out back but uh yeah you know who knows where yeah. technology is going to take us in the future right yeah but by the way did did you look at that one where i have ford's electric f-150 comes with an adapter to charge stalled teslas how's that for a jab at yeah. tesla <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty it, funny it's specifically for teslas right not yeah not ford built <laughs> yeah not not ford electric vehicles you know, although I'm sure it could probably boost four electric oh, vehicles. Oh, yeah. Uh, one thing I like that Ford has done is even even with their gas field pick uh, pickups is that uh, you know optionally they've got a uh, uh, in the bed behind a, a door is AC power plugs. You know, mm-hmm. so you can yeah. use the engine um, and run a generator, use the fuel to run a generator, or if you're running their lightning, you can just pop it open and use power right off the off the thing. I think that's a cool idea. You know, when they had the um, power outages down in Texas or, sure. or or was it the hurricane hit somewhere? I don't know. I didn't, anyway, Ford basically called the dealerships up and said, if you've got any of our trucks that have that option sitting on your lot, loan them Bring out. Bring them on over. <laughs> yeah. Loan them out to people and we'll, we'll reimburse you. You know, as a corporation, that's something we want to support. We've got systems that can help people. And so let's get yeah. power out there to, to emergency facilities. So, you know, like go go to your uh, local hospitals and stuff and, and offer your assistance. Yep. So that was kind of cool. So that's a neat feature. I don't know if it, if there's a, if, you know, GM or, or, uh, Dodge has a similar feature in their trucks. They might, I just have not seen it. I know Ford sells that as an option. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's another article that I sent you. That's a nice little, we're getting close to the end, so I thought yeah. I'd throw in a few little ones here. Sure. Uh, this guy who dropped his AirPod Pro into his coffee, and he says, what I did saved me $250. Mm-hmm. Well, the the novel thing that I thought about, about this article was that, you know, he first of all left the case closed and fished it out and shook it off, you yeah. know, and then dried Don't it with power a it paper, paper towel, no powering it up. That's and a key then, thing. And then the key thing came in. He had a whole bunch of these little desiccate bags that come right. with uh, who knows what, uh, but just things, about everything know. that you buy shipped has a little bag yeah. that's, uh, well, absorbs he, moisture, the desiccant. Yeah. Anyway, he, he had collected a whole bunch of those. So he threw this into a, a 
plastic bag with a bunch of those mm -hmm. and left it overnight before he did anything so that it sucked out all of the humidity that yeah. was in involved in this uh right uh that so in case there was any coffee there and then fired it up the next day and it mm -hmm. worked what and, a lot uh, of um people have said and this is with phones as well is uh, put them in a Ziploc bag with a bunch of dry rice because the rice will act as a desiccant as well. Right. I suspect yep. that the, the desiccant bags, the m material inside there, is probably even better because it's designed specifically to do that. So if you save those little things up. But if you have small children, make sure if you're saving those up that they're put away somewhere safe like, and, yeah. and not next to a place where you might have sugar packets, which you could accidentally open these up and think they're sugar or something. Right. You know, yeah. usually the, the packaging is made out of Tyvek or something. So it's tougher to harder to open, but, but yeah. uh, yeah, just be cautious with that stuff. But uh, yeah, I thought that was actually kind of cool. In fact, it made me think that, you know, uh, I should maybe save some of those little desiccant bags for, you know, emergencies like that because they, they undoubtedly will work better than, than uh, just, you know, dry rice. Yeah. But by the way, I'd like to go back to when, when we opened up the talk today, we were talking about you and Tobin going to see the, uh, uh, the Rams. Uh, Rams in their camp, boot camp mm -hmm. or whatever it's called. Yeah. Training uh, camp. Uh, by the way, I like, I really liked your pictures. There were some nice, good close ups. Oh, thank and all. you. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it reminded me of when I was about your age, we lived in Denver and uh, that was mom and I's first home after marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a friend, a classmate, that also lived in Denver. Okay, and you weren't about my the... age because that means you would have been 60. Oh, I like <laughs> you're right, you're right. Anyway. <laughs> you forget how. <laughs> Isn't it funny how time flies? <laughs> I, I, I'm bad with dates and ages. But yeah, anyway, no, I know. In, anyway, uh, <laughs> Jerry Staley was the guy's name, and he says, you, guess what? The Jets are just a brand new franchise and they were in Denver. No, uh -huh. it wasn't it wasn't the Jets. No, it wasn't the Jets. Uh -huh. It was the Broncos. Broncos, right. The Broncos were brand new uh, in in the NFL. Right. And they had first they started in Denver. Right. And they still had there. A, huh? They're still there. Yeah. And and anyway they had this uh basically a great green meadow uh that was fairly close to downtown. It's ultimately where, or very close to where they built their stadium, but uh, uh, they were coming to town and having their spring training, and so Jerry and I went out there and watched him, and lo and behold, right in front of us was Joe Namath playing, you know, pass, throwing a ball uh -huh. back and forth to some other people, and I thought that was really cool, you know? Yeah. And so uh, it was kind of like your event there in uh, Orange yeah. County. Yeah, that's kind of cool. See, in the preseason stuff. So yeah. the Denver uh, the Denver Broncos were established in 1959, um, and uh, they were a part of the AFL, and then they joined the NFL in 1970. Their first actual season was 1960 as an AFL team, and then uh, and then uh, when the AFL and the NFL merged, they uh, they became. Uh, the, you know the AFC. Okay, well, this team. was late late sixty. So yeah, yeah, yep, early sixties. So yeah, well, they like I said, they they their first season was nineteen sixty, so it would have been right in yeah. that ballpark. Yep. Yeah, the fall. That's when it mm -hmm. was. I had just joined the Air Force, and that was my first assignment out of basic training. In mm -hmm. fact, I had my second phase of basic training there, and 
at Lowry, which was still open then. Uh huh. And so, uh, anyway, uh, a lot of good memories of, of that. And it, when I was looking at your pictures, it just sort of had a flashback, you know, seeing yeah. the, the guys playing. Yeah, no, it was fun. I imagine it was even uh, more so then, and it probably wasn't as big a production as they make it now. But I, you know, I suspect you could even get closer than we did. It was—I thought it was actually pretty interesting. We, they literally, they had it sort of fenced off. They had two fields laid out side by side, but uh-huh. around the perimeter, you could basically walk along the fence line around the perimeter of that, and you know, you were right down. I mean, it was like going to a high school football game. You were well, there. There wasn't. There was no fence line. They just asked people to stay off the field. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> How times have changed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here they put up a chain link fence around it, but it was like you know a four foot high fence, so it wasn't like super tall. I mean, anybody could have jumped over it if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, I will say that along the perimeter of the fence on the inside, there were a lot of people, and some of them were security people. So if anybody jumped over the fence, they would probably have tackled you pretty quickly and you know hauled you away. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they'd also set up uh, bleachers around the perimeter so people could go sit up and you know under the shaded bleachers and watch what was going on. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, yeah. um, you know, it was, he, he's the fan of the Rams. It was his team. So it was fun seeing him getting excited about it and stuff. And I enjoyed it um, just to kind By the of way, who, enjoy who the was experience. The, who was that quarterback number nine that you took Oh, that of? that's their starting quarterback. That's uh, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know these players anymore. Yeah, Cooper Cup was number ten. He's their uh, receiver, and Tobin's a big fan of his. That's the um, jersey that I got him was Cooper Cup, and uh-huh. uh, uh, and then I think I had one other picture. I don't know if I shared that one with you. Of um, uh, ninety nine, he's their um, all pro defensive guy. Um, shoot, I'm blanking on his name. Again, I'm I'm a Packer fan, mm. not a Ram fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why I can't think of the guy's name because he's phenomenal. Um, yeah. But uh, but it was pretty. It was also amazing. I was surprised because we watched for a good hour as they were doing sort of like scrimmage. It was non-tackle. It was sort of like three-quarter speed. Um, yeah. You know, so they weren't actually out to pound each other because obviously you know wanting to be getting hurt in preseason. Um, right. But we watched. It was the starters. I mean, we saw the 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 big names. It wasn't just the guys that are you know fighting to get on the team. Yeah. Um, I suppose as time goes by, you'll see a mix of that, and they'll probably, you know, start uh, weeding through more and more. And, you know, they started at noon. I suspect that they had been up, you know, in the morning they were doing things before they let the public in and stuff, too, that we necessarily don't, we don't necessarily get to see, whether yeah. it's out on the field or, uh, or uh, you know, uh, you know, back in study rooms where they're going over plays and things like that. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, there's all kinds of rules now about what they're allowed to do. That's probably something different than when you were doing it in Denver, too. It's like everybody shows up and you do whatever the coach says. Now yeah. that's all been pre-negotiated for the entire league. You know, days that you're allowed to have, use pads and hit and other days you're not. And percentage of times. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all been negotiated. Uh, and a large portion of it was mandated actually by the NFL trying to cut down on injuries. So that what they've said is, you know, uh, during preseason, there's much less. Um, actual contact practices, you know, then whereas in the past they, you know, you go to practice. I mean, you, once you're warmed up, you put on your pads and you get out there and you hit somebody. Now they minis, minimize that. Um, and especially most recently, cause they added one more game to the season. So instead of 16 games, it's now 17 games. And so they mm-hmm. took, so they, there's one less preseason game and, and the practices are less full contact. Um, 
just because they're trying to minimize people getting hurt. It's a brutal sport, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So all of the linemen have these, uh, like, sleeves that go over their helmet that look like giant puffy um, pillows, too, uh, like little mini pillows all over this. So their helmet looks like 50% larger than it is, which looks funny running around out there. But it's just to stop heads from banging together. Yeah. By the way, uh, Mom and I had uh, lunch at the uh, Mexican restaurant here. Uh, well, actually, a late breakfast, I guess mm-hmm. I should say. At one point in time, I would have said, I'm sorry, but, but now you've got pretty good Mexican food. but anyway we we don't eat it too often there but uh it's kind of like a sports bar in that they have uh the tvs sit around and this is the first time i've noticed but they had the uh uh i don't know if it was the mexican league or what it was but uh we we do have some channels here that are mexican or spanish speaking and uh uh they had soccer game of course on one because that's Mm -hmm. a big thing for mexicans but this had a basketball game on. And first I just assumed that it was the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, or, or pros or something. Right. And then I realized, no, it's not teams I'd never heard of, you know. Right. And I don't even know what the towns were, you know, where they were from. But I think it was Central America or South America mm-hmm. uh, teams. Uh, but, they were play- but they were playing basketball. Could be. Um, also, European League. In fact, there's been several players who have notably decided not to play the NFL and gone, or uh, NBA rather, and gone and played in Europe because they can make more money, which is a, a first. Um, yeah. Uh, that some of the teams are there are willing to spend more to get some of the top end players. Um, but also, recently, in the, uh, there's been uh, NBA Summer League going on. So, like, there's teams that have been playing in Summer League in Vegas, and there was uh, some that happened, I think it was. Utah or something like that also had a, a, a set of teams and usually what it is is uh, first and second year players from NBA teams will play you know the team will say hey we want you to play in the summer league to show us that you've got what it takes to then maybe make the team for the fall yeah. and so um, and they make uh, a few bucks on the side by selling tickets right oh sure Sure. Yeah. In fact, you can go up and, you know, if uh, you can go up and buy tickets. Like I said, there, the, there's a Vegas league and you can go up and a lot of people do go up there and watch. Uh, and you can see some of the new recruits and see what you think of them. That's where um, uh, Shaq's son and Scottie Pippen third have been playing is in the uh, the Lakers Summer League. Mm. And so you could watch them. And some of the games are, have been on television, so you can watch them, too, on, on the uh, NBA state channel. And there's also some... Uh, I think ESPN has covered a lot of them. I don't know about Fox Sports, but maybe. But, uh, yeah, you know, and football is one of those things now, too, that even when you think football's not playing, you know, they the USFL played again. They had that that uh, league launched mm-hmm. as sort of uh, um, a minor league, not affiliated with the NFL, but a lot of guys there and several people who got passed over um, for NFL draft played the USFL and a couple of them got picked up by teams then afterwards. Cause people watched the, you know, the NFL guys watched it and went, Hey, this guy's better than we thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess the XFL is also starting up. They just announced their teams and stuff and they'll restart up again post COVID. Uh, and that's well, the one I, that uh, Dwayne Johnson, the rock is uh, uh, now behind. You know, and I so, think that's going to become a much more common thing, you know, now with that Saudi league for golf, you know, digging into their, Mm-hmm. Uh, actually the old timers, but people come out to see people they know, you know, and if you're like me, I don't know the, the young players. So I just soon watch the old guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so 
you they know, it's funny because to draw a crowd, you know, I'm a bowler, and and so every once in a while I'll watch PBA bowling, and it's sort of the same thing. They have the uh, PBA, um, I can't remember what they call it, the Masters League or something like that, and it's the guys that I knew that you know when I was first sure. getting interested in bowling, and it's, it's like, yeah, I, I'd almost rather watch them. They don't score quite as high, but uh, um, but it's interesting to watch. You know? Sure. So yeah. So I I think the demand for sports and entertainment is going to continue to grow, and they're going to they got to figure out ways to do that. Now the old original leagues, they hate to lose, you know, their control that they had, but they're going to because other people are going to come in and yeah offer more money sometimes yeah. for well, these you, people, you know. When you realize that hey, you know, we're in the business of entertainment. You know, right. it just happens to be a sport that we're playing. But but the bottom line yeah. is, is that if it's if people are entertaining, if people aren't watching and paying to watch, then we're not making any money. And, you know, that gets diluted if somebody says, well, you know, I can't afford an NFL ticket. But, hey, there's an XFL team in my seat in my town and I can get a I can get, a, you know, a league or a, a season ticket uh, on the 50 yard line here. And it doesn't break the bank. It's like, well, I'll go cheer for these guys. That's, you know. Well, you know, uh, I found YouTube to be absolutely wonderful when it comes to uh, what you'd have to call amateur entertainment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of those amateurs in music especially are as good, if not better, than a lot of pros. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's some guitarists on there that are just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, these guys could pack a house if everybody knew how good they were, but their names I hadn't heard of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, you've obviously gotten, because you send links that are videos to me all the time now. And uh, when it comes to things like tech stuff, I don't like videos. I'd rather read it. And so I prefer written. I I understand, yeah. But um, uh, because I want to be able to go back and reread it sometimes and try to really understand what the guy's saying. And, you know, I mean, I know you can back up a video and stuff. I just, that's my preference. I I prefer to read that. But but there are some things I really do like videos for. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, it's a uh, a revelation to us, but there's a whole generation of kids who wouldn't read anything. They watch everything on YouTube. I'll tell you what, I almost won't, uh, I won't tackle a a home project without going on YouTube and watching somebody do it there so that I can see how it's done. Sure. Uh, Sure. You know, work it. I was changing, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Some work on one of my cars. I did some work on the car recently. I think I did the brakes on it instead of taking it in somewhere. So I just bought the brake pad. It's not that hard to do. It's just a few bolts, you know, um, and so, uh, but I went online and found a guy changing the brakes on not only a car, but on my car, you know, on a 1999, you know, Ford Ranger yeah. pickup. Um, well, yeah. Well, you know, for me who are, hard, I'm, I'm hard of hearing. Uh, and, uh, that is, they've come up with a new innovation now so that in a lot of these shows where they're mostly talking, uh, I could push a button at the bottom and get the script. Yeah. You know, the digital, what do they call it? The Yeah. Well, because YouTube anyway. is a Google product, Google has has a re, you know, is really uh, at the forefront of that technology. So they're I, giving you real-time uh translation yeah. of what's being said and putting yeah. it on screen. Yeah. Now, you know, well they're not putting it on the screen. They're putting it on a scrolling screen down below the main screen. But right. nevertheless, it's you on know, your you screen. Can, That's what I meant. Yeah. Not on I, to, over the and, video. And the other benefit is, is that if you want to look at a particular part of the video, if you flip through that and you see the text there is something that you really want to know about, mm-hmm. there's a time right on the left, and it'll jump right to that time, mm-hmm. and that's where you start. 
So it's getting they're they're making improvements to YouTube now too. Yeah, in big ways. The other thing I've always liked about YouTube is the interview shows. You know, maybe they'll last like our podcast for two hours. You know. Yeah. But there are topics, different topics throughout mm -hmm. that thing, and they'll have down below a time and then a, a title to what was being discussed in that little segment. Right. And so you can watch the little bit of segment, or they'll actually, you, mm -hmm. they started out by actually making them separate videos. You know, there's right. the full well, you, video, you recently and then there's sent me a, a 60 Minutes video about Billy Joel, but it wasn't our 60 Minutes, it was 60 Minutes from Australia. Yes. Which was interesting because, you know, when are we going to watch 60 Minutes from Australia? And this wasn't carried in the 60 Minutes here, but right. it was an interesting uh, thing about what's going on in, with Billy Joel in his life. And they started it before COVID and then finished it after COVID. So, yeah, wasn't you know, that interesting? I yeah. knew you'd like it because you're yeah. a Billy Joel fan. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I, I watch all kinds of stuff on YouTube, uh, music a, a lot. Uh, one of them I really like is there's a, a couple groups that do. Uh, uh, North Carolina music. Uh, uh, dang, what do I call? What do you call like that? Bluegrass. Bluegrass, yeah, bluegrass music, and their families. There's mm -hmm. this five, uh, the Petersons, I think it is, uh, that that are really good, and usually just one of them sings, but occasionally a couple of girls sing harmony and stuff. But gee, as a group, they're just really terrific, and they mm -hmm. sing wonderful songs. So, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I mean, I think everybody has their their fans of stuff. I like listening to that guy that sort of breaks down. Um, uh, was it Rick Beato who does like, you know, what makes this song great? And he takes songs and breaks them oh, down yeah. and tells you about chord changes and why that's interesting and and yep. how that's different than, you know, other stuff. And, and uh, um, you know, and I and I find that interesting to see, you know, to, to break down a song and, and, and say, well, what makes that sound interesting? Why do we like that? You know? Um, mm -hmm. and he does that very well. He's very knowledgeable in just the, 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 the science of music. Um, you know, and, but, but that's the wonderful thing about something like YouTube is you could have an interest in anything and well, you could go find videos that'll talk about I, it. I, I'm in fact studying guitar right now. I signed up and paid for a thing that's just terrific. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I forgot what it's called now, but, uh, uh, anyway, I, I've got hot spots that I saved on one of my screens here that mm -hmm. I can go into it. Uh, and uh, it's it's really good. It's a guy who basically says, forget about all the stuff that, as I the way I learned music, you know, the notations and all the keys mm -hmm. and all this other crap. And it basically starts out by having you uh, here uh, learn just a, a, a few chords, three or four maybe, you know, on one place on the neck of the guitar, mm -hmm. and then look at, two uh, chord combinations that that you like, you know, and it's basically teaching you to play by ear and learn what the, everything is by sound, you know, mm -hmm. you, you're, you're retraining your ear to hear what sounds good together. Mm. You should and, uh, find what that is and send it to me. I'm interested. I'd like to read about it and maybe do something like that. Yeah. And I, I you know, it didn't cost much, 25 bucks, I think, or something like that, but mm -hmm. I, I've got it for, uh, a year, I think, for that yeah. price. So it was, you know. Well, share it with me. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. So. So anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll send that to you. Yeah. Hey, um, we're going to have to wrap because I'm supposed to go meet my brother to help him. So um, I've got to go do some work with that. So I'm going to have to kind of call it quits here because I'm going to have to head out of the house. Okay, so Todd. It's been fun. To borrow my truck. 
So, okay. um, yeah, it's been a great, uh, great talk. We, we actually didn't even cover all the stuff we, we kind of got links about here. So, um, more for next week, I guess. Yep. So, we'll and I will, um, obviously I've got to go run, but, um, uh, I will go find out that thing about how to, um, uh, go in and set your browser to go between desktop and mobile and share that with you. And I'll probably okay. tag it on the end of this, uh, this show too. So for those who are interested, can, they can, uh, see how that's done. So, okay, Todd. Appreciate right. it. Have a great Have a week. good day. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.